Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest in the lockdown interviews here on Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. A very Merry Christmas to you. And in this episode, we've got an extended chat with former Cherries manager and player Kevin Bond as we tell some great stories of his footballing past. The stories coming up include the Man City and Saints days and then his three seasons at Bournemouth, from playing football to cooking bacon and eggs for a living. We talk about the BBC Panorama documentary and in Kevin's own words, he says what they did was atrocious. His questionable managerial decisions, including letting Fletch go, the potential he saw in Eddie Howe, plus the time he invited Jeff Mostyn to watch a game before Abdul Jaffa relieved him of £20,000 and the rest, plus the Sports 6 charlatans as well. It was cracking to chat to Kevin and with him was Jeff Hayward... Mr. Tiggs and Neil Dawson. Enjoy. Here we have our guest tonight. It's not just me. I've also got Neil Dawson. Neil, welcome to the show. Welcome, Jeff. Looking forward to it. Good stuff. How are you? You all right? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. Excellent. And we've also got Tony, Mr. Tiggs. How are you, Tony? I'm really well, mate. Uh, lovely to be here. Excellent. Before we bring in our guest, please make sure you give this video a thumbs up and do subscribe if you are watching on YouTube. So, a player for Norwich, Man City and Saints, amongst others, this centre-back played 126 games for the Cherries over a four-year stint. He was involved in the England B setup, was a crucial part of one of the most famous managerial duos through the 90s and noughties, before becoming the number one at AFC Bournemouth in 2006. 
a time which was one of tremendous change for the club. It is, of course, Kevin Bond. How are you? You all right? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. How are you keeping in lockdown? Are you keeping busy? Um, getting back in the same routine. We had a, got ourselves in a routine in the first lockdown. Um, so we sort of slipped back into that um, quite easy. The, the, the difference is the weather was lovely in the summer uh, and it's pretty grim at the moment. So we, we've got dogs, so we take them for a walk and where we was out in shorts and t-shirts it's now rain mac but anyway we're getting on with it um it's an unfortunate situation uh, no one's to blame and we've just got to get through it however you know whatever we have to do to get through it we have to do it well we're really pleased that you can join us tonight and in fact first question is earliest memories of football can, what what can you tell us about life growing up in the the east end of london yeah um, probably my earliest memories we lived um, literally a stone's throw from Upton Park. My father played there for uh, 16 years, I think. And I used to go and watch them play. I can, I've got faint memories uh, of going to Upton Park and watching them play, going to the training ground at Chabwell Heath. Um, went to the cup final in 1964 when I'd have been about seven. I can remember that. Um, so I do, I've got, um, you know, and, and what I do mem remember is how much my my father loved West Ham. He had opportunities to leave the club and go to other clubs, um, and he he didn't he didn't do it. Um, and and he he would say that that was the best decision he ever made. He was apart from the last two years where he had a couple of years at Torquay United, he was like a one club man. And I think the the togetherness that they had um, it was also very different then. But the togetherness they had amongst the players. And the families, you know, the wives as well, I can remember, um, was probably very different to where it is today. And I think, um, you know, he loved that, loved that environment and, lo and loved his colleagues and, and had no desire to leave West Ham. Kevin, you first you first came to Bournemouth with your dad in 1970. And obviously your dad's legendary in the town for putting together probably one of the great five sides that we've had in our history and uh you know his one was the second one i think after the cup cup running one in the in the 1950s what yeah. are your early recollections of moving to bournemouth and that team in particular and your dad's role with it yeah it was um well for a start moving down to bournemouth from being in the east end of london was such a different environment you know very green where up in it was just concrete up in London so it was very different from a personal point of view and, lo and lovely it, we didn't didn't take us very long at all to realize that this was like you know heaven by comparison to where we'd live with no disrespect to the east end but it was it was wonderful and we all loved our time down there my, you know my father was just had a season I think as uh, first team coach at Gillingham so was keen to embark on a managerial career and um was really enthusiastic about the job brought Kenny Brown down here alongside him who he knew very well from his West Ham days and they set about trying to put together a, a team and you know they did, assembled a really good side as you guys know one or two old players from West Ham that they brought down here as well um and it was such a um energizing I don't know if it's the right energizing time it's so much change I know we, we spoke about this when we spoke briefly over the weekend, they changed the colours, they changed the name, they changed, and all of a sudden, Bournemouth were being written about in the papers, uh, you know, for all sorts of reasons. 
but but mostly because they were doing really well on the pitch. I think what was really interesting was the way he, he sort of thought about the psychology of the team. So he got them to wear a kind of AC Milan kit and gave them a continental name, didn't he? <laughs> AFC Bournemouth rather than Bournemouth and Boscombe. Yeah, it that, you know it does. It does. It's got a more of a a modern ring to it, and you know they're. All credit to the people involved. Harold Walker, who I know my father said was a wonderful chairman, a wonderful man who was in charge at that at that time. And it was, you know, you know, Bournemouth were, you know, li literally they seemed to be a club that were going places at the time. And uh, I know the players um, enjoyed playing there. Um, they had a really good team. The front two of Ted and Phil Boyer was uh, was fantastic. You know, fantastic combination. And um, good to watch. Uh, and, I, you know, watch. I can nearly sort of give you the team from them days. It was a, a really good time. Good job we did change the name because uh, we wouldn't have had anything to sing about because we could never we could never find a song that fitted Bournemouth and Boston. <laughs> 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 Tony, got, sorry. Wait, Tony, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, of course, you, you would have watched a lot because you were part of the, the youth team at the, the time. Yeah. What was that like? What You know, being part of that, that um, group? We had um, we had some good youngsters, you know. They were, but that was the other thing that the um, Reg Tyrrell was a was the chief scout of the club and brought in youngsters back in them. I know his son, he's still his, his son Clive, who's still around Bournemouth these days, who I know really well, um, was in charge of the recruitment and they had good coaches. John Sainty was my coach when he was uh, taking the youth team in them days, and we had. I, you know, I can't recall whether Bournemouth had a, any type of youth policy before my father went there, but certainly uh, once he became involved at the football club, they, he was all for bringing the youth team and the, uh, bringing youth player, younger players through. And we had, you know, produced players, the likes of Kevin Reeves went on to be a million pound player and played for England. Um, so it was, you know, it was a, it was a good time to be involved at Bournemouth. And in that first season, Kevin, we won promotion, I think, from Division 4 to Division 3, old Division 2 to Division 1, yeah. and then narrowly missed out on promotion the following season, which would have been quite remarkable to do back-to-back -back promotions. That missing out on promotion, that, that was probably a factor in, in your dad moving on, wasn't it? Because he must have been gutted to, to just miss out at that time. Yeah, he would have been, he would have been gutted, but he would have... You know, his focus was only, you know, would have only been at Bournemouth at that, you know, at that stage. I mean, he can't, he can't move unless he, unless there's a club that wants him, you know. So um, he, he wasn't, I know he wasn't orchestrating anything. Uh, I know there had been rumours about Norwich before they appointed the previous, previous manager um, that came to nothing. But so they'd obviously got my father in his, in their sights uh, and and obviously they'd had a good start and hit the post the second season um and then and then i think started the third season re really really well and um so you know i think because he did well at the football club he was being looked at by other football clubs and you know i suppose when the opportunity to come and join uh, what was in them days a premier league club it was a situation that he he felt he couldn't turn down that would have been, I guess, been around about that time that you started to make it as a player. What's it? What's it like coming through a side with your with your dad as manager? I guess you get you get bits of the best of both worlds, don't you? You get a bit of support, but also I bet he was harder on you at times than others. And to be fair, yeah, 
yeah, I, I was I was lucky to have um, I was lucky that I that I had my father who was a manager. I was a real late developer, you know, real late developer. I left school at fifteen in Bournemouth, and I was I don't I don't know five foot five and eight and a half stone. I was a little real late developer, and and there were not many people thought that I would ever really make it. People at Bournemouth really didn't think I would make it. My father, who was a manager, who had because he was a manager, was able to give me an opportunity that I would have definitely not got anywhere else without without a doubt. But because he probably knew me better than anybody else, he, he saw something in me. I had, you know, I had one or two attributes I think he saw in me. And, it, and he probably thought that if you work on them, you might be able to make something of yourself. So he gave me the opportunity where other people wouldn't have done. And, um, and, and uh, you know, I will be ever grateful for him because otherwise I wouldn't have ended up having a career in football. But it was it was difficult um, in the early days because, you know, I was struggling to hold my own, if the truth be known. And it wasn't until I started to physically develop, which actually happened uh, latterly when I went to Norwich, that I started to, um, you know, be able to hold my hold my own and people used to think that I was playing for you know not not for reasons because of my father being the manager and of course your father being your manager that was great but then later on in your career there's a, there's a famous game and we mentioned it before very quickly Kevin but yeah. uh, the six the six nil against Man City when your dad was the opposition manager and you were playing what, what was that like yeah, not not very pleasant at all. That was the third, or fourth, or fifth round of the of the FA Cup. I did, it wasn't a game I was relishing. I must be honest. Um, and we went up to Main Road and took a real hiding, got beat six. Um, and you know, I was pleased for my father. I it, it was a difficult time for me at at, uh, at Norwich at that at that stage. I must be honest. My father had left, and it was a little bit acrimonious the way he'd left. And you know. I think they knew that when my father joined Norwich, he took four or five of the Bournemouth players with him. They didn't want the same thing happening when he went to Manchester City. And, I, you know, maybe they thought that I might be going and uh, and, and I'd done OK at Norwich. So yeah, they weren't really keen for that to happen. So it was becoming quite difficult for me at the end of my time uh, there. And then after playing a game like that, you know, and I think it culminated with... Um, Man City make the cup final, that re really well-known cup final against Spurs in 81. They went on to get to the cup final. Did your dad make a habit of acrimonious moves in management? <laughs> he didn't exactly leave Bournemouth with his reputation, you know, sort of flying very high. And I wonder, did that affect how you felt about the town? No, it didn't affect. He loved it. He loved, he lo you know, I, he loved it. I, we all loved it. Um, had the most fantastic memories. I mean, it, he left the football. It's part and parcel of football, guys. It, you know, managers leaving, players leaving. It's absolutely part and parcel. I, I know the supporters don't like it because it's their club. But he he left to go to Norwich because it was, uh, you know, at that stage, it was seen to be a step up going from uh, Division One to the, what today Division One to the Premier League, and who could who could blame him? And also taking four or five players who probably would never have ended up playing anywhere other than Division One at the best, ended up having nearly all of them did really well at Norwich City in the Premier League. And, I, you know, I'd, you'd be hard pushed to be critical of those. They got the opportunity and all wanted to go. I, I, you know, I understand, you know, managers, the, the only people who are really, really loyal at, the, at football clubs are the supporters, Every everybody else 
you know, we'll kiss the badge one minute and they'll be gone the next. That's the, you know, the, the real truth of the matter. And, you know, he had to move on and did what was best for him and did what was best or what he thought was best for, for Norwich City. And ultimately, the same thing happened when he went to Manchester City or that, you know, although I, I understand it doesn't sit well with with everybody all of the time. When, um, you were one of the pioneer players that went and did America because um, I think you, yeah. went, you went across to Seattle Sounders. Well, yeah. That was an amazing time, wasn't it? Because it was a, a mixture of like world greats and uh, sort of people coming from um, England, all different levels. What was it like being part of that? Did you did you play against any of the greats? How was the whole experience for you? Yeah, it was a fantastic. It was a it was a. I went there for one season, um, which was sort of March until September, so hardly missed any of the UK season, the English season at all. Um, I went to Seattle, which I'd been to see a friend of mine who played for them the season before, John Ryan. Um, it's a lovely, lovely city, you know, great facilities, the stadium, uh, which at the time was the Kingdom, held, you know, 70,000 people, and it, it held the American football, it held the... Uh, the basketball team and the baseball, they all played it there and just adjusted the stadium. And we were getting 30,000 people watching us. We had the likes of um, Alan Hudson, who, who you'll remember play, playing for us. Uh, Bruce Rioch played for us. It was a good time. I think I think American football has had its peaks and troughs. Um, and it's it did sort of historically people, you know, although it wasn't, certainly wasn't the case hopefully in my case it would people would go there maybe at the back end of their more at the back end of their career which is certainly not the case now but it was a, a wonderful experience steve daly who had who was a record signing for manchester city um there's a big derby county connect uh, derby county connection because uh alan hinton was a manager who played who was a you know prolific player for and it was a it was good played against george best you know we played against uh, Carlos, the Brazilian right back, right but very much at the back end of his career, and went to nearly everywhere around America. So the experience was was absolutely wonderful. I, lo I loved I loved every minute of it. Brilliant. When you came back, did you did you make a decision that you were going to come back to to try and work with your dad again, or how how did it come about? You came back so quickly because you're only there for about a season, weren't you? I stayed, I stayed there for one season, and and. Um, I knew when I went, the, the, the deal was done in such a way that I'd left Norwich City, went to Seattle Sounders, and at the end of that season, whenever the season ended, ended there, that I would go back to Manchester City. They'd, I think Seattle had bought me, but they'd also got a deal, which was not, you know, nothing untoward or underhand, but they'd already got a deal in place where I would be sold back at the end of their season back to Manchester City. So I knew, I knew. You know, I knew what was in front of me when I when I went out there. I knew that at some stage, whenever the season ended in America, I'd wind up back at Manchester City. So it was a really exciting time for me leaving, you know, leaving Norwich. And I love Norwich. I love Norwich. We had, um, you know, the best time to be a youngster. We had again, we had lots of good youngsters. Justin Fashnu, Kevin Reeves was there. Lots of good youngsters. I could reel them off who ended up making careers of the game who were all really trying to push for, um, you know, an opportunity in the first team. And we all worked hard and hopefully fed off of one another. So I loved it uh, at Norwich City. But at the end of that season, I had America, a, a spell in America to look forward to. And then the prospect of going back to Manchester City uh, again, which was a great opportunity for me. And then you went on and you signed for Southampton after that? Yeah. Signed and for then... 
Sorry, carry on. Oh, and then and then, and then well, I don't want to talk about them too much. Uh, and then you uh, <laughs> and then you came back to us, Kevin, uh, which is fantastic. Um, with with Harry, what what was the draw of of coming to work with Harry? I think coming to work with Harry. You know, I know. Uh, yeah. Coming to work with Harry, it was it was. Um, I could have stayed at. You know, I was to be honest, I was under no pressure to leave Southampton at the time. Um, we'd done okay. You know, um, Chris Nickel was in charge. And I, but I just felt I, I you know, I, I think they had bought a couple of centre halves. At the, I think they bought Russell Osman. They bought a couple of centre halves, and I, and I would never ever, as much as I, you know, I was lucky to play for Southampton and in, in, in the, what is now the Premier League. So I was really lucky, and I wanted to stay there as long as I can. But I did. I definitely wasn't going to want to stay there, and if I wasn't playing, I, and I maybe in the back of my mind thought I can see the writing on the wall, and maybe I won't. But no, in fairness to Chris Nickel, never, never ever said to me, you know, I'm bringing something that's good. He, he encouraged me, and he, he he said to me, you know, he said to me, Kevin, start, you know, you can start. But I just probably felt the time was right. I knew, and I think this is was probably a big thing. Harry wanted me. Harry wanted me to come. He really wanted me to come down there, and they had a good side. You know, we'd got they'd been there was in the championship. They'd got they had a good side, and I, and I thought, yeah, at least it was literally down the road for me. Um, it, somebody who I knew extremely well, um, and so I thought it was a great opportunity for me. I'll hopefully go down there for a number of years, um, and so I, I was excited by it and was more than happy to take it up. So just tell us some of those players that you played with, Kevin, in that side. Um, well, Casey come down there, George Lawrence, Jerry Payton, uh, Mark Whitlock was no, no, Mark, yeah, Mark Whitlock came down from uh, from from Southampton. Um, who else played with um, Luther was there, wasn't he? Luther Blissett, Luther Blissett, yeah, fantastic goal scorer, Luther Blissett. Um, played David, 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 David Coleman, left back, bless his heart. I think he passed away, David, yeah. Sean Teal as well. Yeah, Sean was there, wasn't he, Neil? Sean Teal, yeah. What a good, what a good, strong, powerful uh, centre half. Yeah, really good. Sean O'Driscoll, um, I played with. They had a good team, you know. Re really good team. Really good team. One of the one of the things I can remember uh, around that time was um, you used to play. Sometimes you play at right back. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you play at centre back, and I always thought you looked happier at centre-back than right-back. Is is that my memory? I was young at the time. My memory playing tricks, or was that correct? Yeah, no, but, yeah, to, to a large, you're probably right. I, I mean, I started as a as a, as a real young right-back. Um, I started there. And then uh, it was John Benson, funnily enough, where after I'd been at Norwich for a little while. Uh, John Benson, I think he, he, he said it to my father before he, met, actually, before he mentioned it to me. He said... Why don't you have a look at centre half? And I wasn't in the first team or anything in, in, at that stage, and so I played a few games and and sort of took to it really. Especially, I was small initially, so I would have never been big enough to have been a, a centre half. But then as I grew and ended up, you know, over six foot, it lent itself more to probably a centre half role than a right back role, and then end up playing probably most of my, you know, really important times probably at centre half. What's your favourite memory, Kevin, of that time? Um, yeah, I, I, I think overall, my, you know, for my 
my football career, I think my, my happiest memory is the fact that I had, you know, I was lucky enough to play a whole load of games, uh, th thankfully at a, a really good level. Um, and, it, and it was really difficult for me early on, very difficult for me on, and, and a lot of doubters, doubted myself, I've got to be honest. So I think in the end, to have had a, to have had a career, to be able to prove my father, bless him, right in giving me the chance. And I, that has never, that has stuck with me, even now when you look at youngsters, and we're very quick to, you know, and I am too, you look at them, you think, no, he's, he's no chance, or he's not... But you've got to remember. You look, you look at myself. You just given the given the opportunity, and given time, uh, people can surprise you. So I, for myself, I I was just really grateful overall. To we we never, you know, I never played for any clubs that was able to win cups. You know, Liverpool were winning everything, and we we had a fantastic. You know, the first season I went to Southampton, we had a great season. They, they'd struggled for the first half dozen games, ended up having a great season, finished in Europe at this end of the season, was so looking forward to that going to play in Europe. And it was 85. It was the year of the Heysel Stadium disaster, which oh, yeah. was terrible. And everyone got kicked out of Europe for a number of years. And that was it. So that was the end of that. And, you know, we had the possibility, the FA Cup or the League Cup to look forward to. You had no chance of winning the league. Or if we, you know, it was a, it was a, a success for us to stay in the Premier League or for Bournemouth to be in the Champions. Was, that was success because you're never realistically going to uh, lift a trophy. So I think having a career and playing as long as I did for the clubs that I did was the highlight of my career for me. Hmm. You left us, I guess, at the end of uh, it was three three good years, wasn't it? I think that you, yeah. that you stayed with us, and then you you left at the end. Was Tony Pulis coming in anything to do with that? No, um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think there was a, you know, there, there was change at the football club. I think, you know, I was getting older, and I think they probably wanted to go in a different direction, which I, you know, I understood. I was in my thirties, well into my thirties then. I completely understood that. Um, so I, you know, I never looked into it any, any more than, you know, that that Bournemouth as it, as is their right no longer really saw me as a way forward for them. Um, and, that, and that really, that was fine by me. And is it true that you opened a transport CAF when you stopped playing? Is that true? <clears throat> yes, I did. <clears throat> I did, yeah. I had um, a gentleman um, by the name of Bob Terrace. Bob Terrace runs Meacher's Transport. You may have seen their lorries going up and down the motorway. Um, <clears throat> who I knew very well. I know very well. And he was really good to me at the back end of my career, really kind to me, very helpful, helped me out. And to cut a long story short, I, I ended up, with his help, uh, I ended up opening a transport cafe on the Nursling Industrial Estate in Southampton. And, um, you know, if, if, ever there, if ever there was a rude awakening to what hard work was, that, that was it. I mean, I was, I was getting literally getting up in the morning at two o'clock, getting in my car, driving to Smithfield Market in London, we ended up being really busy. And, you know, that, that was our work, going home every day, smelling of eggs and bacon and what have you. But, you know, I'd, I didn't know what the future held for me. And so, I, you know, I, need, I needed to work. I needed to work. So it was, you know, a time I never forgot. My father had retired. Um, 
used to come in when he used to come down and stay with us. He's living in Manchester, come down and stay with us. And when he'd come in there, he'd serve in the cafe with him, which used to bring a smile to one or two of the lorry drivers' faces, I must yeah. say. But it were, they, were, they were good days. Brilliant. And, and how did Alan Ball get in touch with you, Kevin, uh, when he was the Man City manager? How did, how did that all transpire? How did we go from there? Well, I knew, um, I, I knew Alan and I, play, I played for him I, for a short while. I played for him down at Exeter. Um, obviously, he'd been at Southampton, but before I was there, but I knew, I knew Alan and he, he was just such a lovely, proper football man. And I, I bumped into him at the races one day um, and he, he came over to me. Actually, it was in the car park after the race. He's come over to me and he, he had just left Southampton and gone to Manchester City as a manager that previous end of that previous season. And he said to me, how would you fancy being um, a coach at Manchester City? And I mean, I'm just, yeah, of course, I'd love to. He said, OK, I'll be in touch. And that, and that was it. And he walked off. And I'm going back now, going back to my transport cafe, opening up early in the morning. And I cut, just couldn't wait for the phone to ring. And it, it was like two and a half weeks after I spoke. I remember speaking to my dad. I said, should I ring Alan? No, 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 you can't. Don't leave it alone. If he wants to ring you, he'll ring you. So I left it, left it. And then um, he did ring me. And within a fortnight, the cafe had gone. And, the, and I was up at Manchester City taking the reserve team. I've just got this funny picture of you, Kevin. You're serving a bacon roll. You're telling the fella, oh, I won't be here next week. I'm going to go coach at Man City. <laughs> it must have been such a, such a change. Pep Guardiola had the same feeling, didn't he? Yeah, I know, yeah, I know. I know, when he, I know. When he was running that tapas bar in Barcelona, he had the same Yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, not quite the same. But, um, yeah, so that was, um, that was the best phone call I'd had for some time, I must say. And how was it? Because they had a few managers that season, didn't they? Alan Ball didn't last that long. No, Alan, I think Alan had gone uh, really uh, three games into the season or something. They, he was treated really harshly, you know, really harshly. And um, he had gone. I'd only been there four weeks or something. There were six weeks. And, and Alan had gone and Steve Koppel came into the football club, um, brought Phil Neal in with him. I didn't know, knew of Steve, but I didn't know him. Just kept my head down and taking the reserve. I, I hardly ever, you know, he had, you know, bigger fish to fry. So I, I hardly said two words to him in the period of time that he was there. Um, and then after six weeks, um, you know, it wasn't for him and he'd, it was difficult. So he he called it a day. I mean, the, the club didn't. He was at, uh, Steve who called it a day. Um, so he gave Phil Neal an opportunity um, and he was there for a matter of weeks. And then he went. Um, and then I think they gave it back to Tony Book and Asa Hartford, who I knew both those guys really well from my days playing there. Um, and they took control for a period of time and steadied the ship or tried to. And then they appointed Frank Clark. And so I'd had, you know, we'd had like five managers or something. This was, this we weren't even in November. So, I know. It was, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. And then, um, and then I lost my job at the end of the season. So, you know, I lasted till then. But I did, at the end of the season, I was shown the door, which is a way in football or can be. And, um, you know, just shows you the precarious nature of this industry. Was that, and that, that was around about the time that Harry came calling, I guess, wasn't it? Or that uh, uh, Harry, how did that come about? It would have been a couple of years later. Just really, you know, very, very quickly after that, because I'd, you know, I'd moved from 
uh, Southampton and Bournemouth, where I'd been living during, during the playing days, and I moved back up to Manchester. I knew it because I'd played up there previous, but I moved up. And um, so I didn't know what I was going to do at that stage. No idea when I left Manchester City. Ended up getting a, a job at non-league level at Stafford Rangers, which was a, a brilliant experience for me in, at the non-league level, where you have to do everything. You're not just a manager. You deal with everything. And that where they were great people. And um, I'll never forget that. But th really thankful for the opportunity. And at the end of one season with those guys, Alan Ball had got the manager's job at uh, Portsmouth and asked me to go back there with him as his uh, coach, which I did, which was great because I'd kept my house in Southampton. So I was, able, I was back to where and living back in my house again and, and sort of pretty much as where we stayed ever since. But um, I stayed with Borley and then Borley ended up leaving after a, a while there. Uh, and a little while later, Harry took over and I went back there again. With, I've been to Portsmouth about five times, I think, all in all. Um, and went back there with with Harry after having had a short spell as his European scout up at West Ham. I, I worked for him. He was um, when it, when he was at West Ham, and that and then he left West Ham, and um, and I followed him down to Portsmouth. So what was that like? Must have been a lot of fun, wasn't it, working with Harry? Yeah, fantastic, um, a fantastic time. It was. Um, it gone in there in the summer. Felt like. You know, Milan Mandrick was a was a ambitious man, um, and and he wanted he was there was only one thing on his mind, and that was promotion. And and Harry pretty much changed the team. Um, he would have you know the starting eleven, he would have changed eight or nine of them from the previous season. It's very difficult putting team together in one summer, but he put together you know what turned out to be a a, a terrific team. Got promotion of the first time of asking. Uh, took Jim Smith along, who had, was a really great move, you know, legend at, at Portsmouth. Uh, and I was just tagging along alongside those guys. And it was just a wonderful experience for me. Um, they had some really good players and ended up, uh, you know, we won won the league. It just, and you know, I think Harry would say to you today, they were as happy a time as he's ever had in football. Been lucky to be at the Tottenham's and places, West Ham in the big leagues and what have you. But, I know he absolutely loved his time at Portsmouth, especially the year that, that, that he took him up. And then it was, you followed him to Southampton and then back to Portsmouth, didn't you? So you were, you were like, a, you became like a, a duo, a dynamic duo yeah. of management, weren't you? Yeah, well, he went, you know, that was okay for me because I played there. So I went back to, and that turned out didn't, you know, that was uh, really regrettable. Last day of the season, couldn't quite keep them up um, at Southampton, which will... Um, which was heartbreaking, really heartbreaking. And as I know it was for everybody at Southampton, probably not quite so much for the people at Bournemouth and Portsmouth, but it was, it was for the, <laughs> for the Southampton guys. And, um, and I think Harry very quickly, the following season, um, I think Milan Mandrick must have, you know, would have asked him to fancy coming back to Portsmouth. And I, he said, yeah, I mean, obviously from my point of view, I, you know, I had no future with Southampton once Harry had gone and what have you. So, um, you know, Harry was good. It just sort of took it that I would go. Will you come along with me? Yeah, of course I would. And they was in real trouble. Looked like they were nailed on to get relegated, and Harry kept them up. That time must have been really tricky living in Southampton, moving between Southampton and Portsmouth. I mean, you know, yeah. the fans don't get on that great, do they? No, it was um, it was horrendous, and um, I'm sure it was worse for Harry than you know as as the manager and the main man. 
than it was for me. But it it was it was horrific. I was getting all sorts of phone calls and abuse and everywhere you went. You know, if you know from Portsmouth once you'd moved to Southampton, and then once you'd gone back to Portsmouth from Southampton, you get I'm getting it from both angles, and it was it was uh, for a time. You know. A really, really difficult, and and as you say, we're getting all sorts of abuse. Was he um, Harry Redknapp? Um, everyone always talks. So we've had him on here. He was brilliant on here. Everyone always talks about him as being like a great man manager and a motivator and a, letting players do what you know, express themselves. But he is he has to be a better tactician, as he than than people sometimes give him credit for. What was your view on him? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, he's really astute. Knows the game inside and out, but it. What he what he what he's able to do is he gives he doesn't shackle the players he's never really he he, he'll, he will um he will give them freedom in terms of let, letting them express themselves they get direction all of the players get direction the team got direction they know what's expected from them collectively individually but he you know he would never he doesn't he doesn't say you don't do this you do do that he lets people play he get, he puts let's players take responsibility and i think for the most part um players really enjoy that really nearly everybody who i came across really enjoyed playing under harry he, you know he was he was there was no you know don't get me wrong he i took some horrendous half times from him um you know both as a player and a coach i might tell you but you know he so he he knew when he needed when he needed to get stuck into you he needed he knew how to he knew but he was a very very astute man really good at knowing you know how to deal with him differently to how to deal with him he was very good at that but you know really really tactically a clever and astute we had um i think the most important game at tottenham was the game that we played to see to the second season when we qualified for the Champions League, we played away midweek at, uh, at Main Road or the, at what was Main Road at Manchester City. And it was like, if we won, then we was going to get the fourth spot. If they won, yeah. they would have got fourth spot. You, you probably, perhaps remember. remember. And Harry had been, Harry would ask all of the people whose opinions he hopefully respected, his coaches, Joe Jordan, myself. And he he would think about it and think about it and he'd, what do you think and we talk it through and talk it through joy and the big thing is are we going to go there and play one up front or two up front we're playing away at man city and i think the the consensus was that you're better off going there trying to get one up front trying to keep in the game and then depending on where we are late in the game so that was probably most people's perception on how it was and he thought about it and thought about it and it wasn't until he named a team literally um I think the people knew pretty much who was going to play, but it was how we was going to play. Anyway, we played two up front. We played Jermaine Defoe and Peter Crouch. And we ended up beating them one nil. And I think you know that it says a lot about it says a lot about Harry. And not just you know he is fearless, can be fearless, but not not in a you know not in a, a silly way. Really thoughtful and uh, underestimated. But he has a reputation for being good old Harry and this that and the other, but in my opinion, far more astute than he than he's ever been given credit for. And it and, and in my opinion, would have made a brilliant England manager, but unfortunately never got given the chance. Agreed. So then there came a, a bit of a difficult time in your career, Kevin. And and I think it's ironic that we're talking to you this week when a certain TV programme's in the news 
How, how does it feel to have so much in common with uh, Princess Diana? Yeah. The panorama you're talking about. You, you could say that, yeah. Yeah, that, that was... Um, that was a, that was a the most awful uh, time the most awful time for me one you know that you know panorama make it all sorts of uh, suggestions and um, completely untruth and you know I just tried to defend myself in the end but I probably made a big well, I did make probably made a big mistake trying to defend myself but I did in the end it was um, it was the most awful period of time for me and um and you know to a degree stays with me to a, to a large degree and I, you know, i'll never forget that it was it was awful um and what what they did you know what they did was atrocious you know so I, um it's it's not a subject to be truthful guys i'd like to dwell on too much to be truthful well, to be to be honest kevin i think this week you know the way they behave is coming under the spotlight you know they're they're um they're as bad as the tabloids in many ways, I think. So I wouldn't worry yeah, about that. I, I think I think you know, entrapment. In, call it what you call it what you will. How, how that can be, how that can be allowed or you know above board. I, I, I don't know. Escapes me. But there you are. So moving on to happier times for um, for Bournemouth. Your big return. Um, yeah. How did, how did it come about? Who, who got in contact with you? What were your first thoughts? I applied for the job. Uh, uh, Sean had. Sean had left, uh, had done fantastic for Bournemouth over so many years, um, really well, produced players, produced a really good footballing team, always played great stuff. Um, but they was, you know, they was, they were struggling. I think when the third or fourth bottom when I joined the club, and it, probably Sean sensed that it was the time was right for him to move on and left. There's an opportunity there. Obviously, I've got a lot of history with a football club, and I thought, you know. And that would be a great move for me. Um, so I applied for it. And it took a little time. Took a little time to happen. Had a couple of interviews. Um, I didn't know Abdul, uh, the chairman at the time, um, but got on really, really well with him. Nice guy. Um, and thankfully, they gave they gave me the job. So I was, you know, very, very grateful for the, for the opportunity. And 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 love I love my time there. You know, the, the club changed during the period of time that I was there. In terms of, um, no, I I I knew we weren't flush with money when we was there. and understood the situation, but become, you know, during my period there, become dire. You know, financially culminating with the club going into administration. So it be it became diff, very difficult, and then in the end. A change of ownership, wanting to go into a different direction, um, culminated with me leaving, which you know, which I understand. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, wasn't it? And I don't think anyone was fully aware of the, of the club's financial position. It's interesting that you say that coming in as manager, you knew it wasn't great, but you, you, you didn't know it was getting that bad. Um, do you think when you came to manage us, does it create extra pressure managing a club that you have bonds with and that you, and that you might care about more? No, I don't necessarily think it. I, no, I don't think it was any harder. Um, and it, and it, you know, and it can be done. You know, we, we, in my second season there, um, nearly got back the ten point deduction we had. We had for going into administration. I think we ended up going down on the last day of the season. We'd recouped all but one or two of the points, the 10 points deduction. So had it not been for administration, we'd have comfortably 
stayed in the league, but you know that it, it wasn't to be. Um, but uh, you know, I I I, I, lo- I loved it. It was a challenge, but I, you know, but you, Eddie took over the following season, or that you know, sometime after. I know Jimmy Quinn took over a period of time, and Eddie took over. Like, and he, you know, his hands were tied behind his back. Also, he had difficult circumstances, and he got through it and managed to make a success of it. And it, you know, I think. Taking the club over to you know, second division, first division, quite often they're in a dire situation. You'd very often, not very often, take over a successful or a thriving club. It's because they're not doing so well for whatever reason. And it, so it was the same with me. Same with me. And but you know, if you're there and you can hang on in there and you can gradually turn it around, as Eddie did afterwards, um, that you know, then I think there's still a good job to be done. It it, it was difficult and it became very difficult, but it. You know, if you're not get, you can use all those things as an as an excuse why you fail or you don't do well. And I, I wouldn't want to do that. It was a di- it was a difficult it was a difficult time, but we very nearly managed um, had it not been for that last day up at Carlisle United to have stayed up, which would have been in my in my world it would have been the biggest achievement that I had ever had it or will ever have in football. It, it, yeah, I mean, it was such a. Oh, what I can still remember the day. It was so. We had such a fantastic run on the way up to it, and uh, and we played some great football. Uh, the the game that always sticks in my memory as well. I don't know if you remember it. I think we beat Forest two 0 at home, and you you blooded Pittman and Vokes up front. And I remember, yeah. I remember going there and just seeing these two kids up front against Knox Forest. I remember saying to my dad, "Well, we have got much hope in this one." And and we played amazingly that night. And, Great night under the lights. They yeah. both it. it was. Do you remember it? Yeah, I remember it well. Colin Calder was the manager there, and I, you know, to, I think that was a real coupon buster that night. I looked at him at the end of the game, and he, where on earth did that come? I, I, I've got to be honest. I looked at him and thought, where on earth did that come from as well? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it, yeah, I do remember that in a night game, and I, I actually. Um, I rang Harry. I used to ring because Harry was so keen for Bournemouth to do as he always has done. But I'd ring him up after every game on the way home, and he was like, he was just doing cartwheels. I could jumping up and down. He was, you know, yeah. It was a. I remember that game really, really well. And you gave people like Brett Pittman, uh, Sam Vokes a chance. You gave Josh McCoy a chance as well. You know, the young players really at the start of their career. You also brought in quite a lot of loan players. I mean. Was it necessity, or did you did you want to blood those those players? How how did the the sort of balance of the squad work? Yeah, I felt I felt it, uh, in hindsight it was a mistake. In 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 hindsight, I believe it was a mistake. I I, I felt that um, so many of the players had been there so long and were comfortable, and it was a bit like a. You know, not a bit like a little nice club environment, little leisure club environment. No, no, not. But it was uh, so many of the players had been there a long time, and it was. Uh, and I thought, and I just went there feeling, you know, we they one or two of these need to kick up the backside and think then that your place is not necessarily safe. And so I was in a hurry, and but and, and, but with hindsight, with hindsight, I should have given one or two of them more more of a chance under a different manager to show what they can do and maybe maybe talk to them about the situation a little bit more. But I ended up bringing lots of people in and with hindsight, that was a mistake or I felt with hindsight that that was a mistake. One of the things that, that I do believe, and I'm sure Ed won't mind me saying it, one of the things that I do think might have helped Eddie in, when his early days when 
he took over at Bournemouth. He said, you know, it was a transfer embargo initially and he couldn't sign any players. So he never had, he never had that worry to worry about. He never had any worry. didn't have any worry about who should I bring in? If you could, you know, Ab- Abdul was really keen for, for me, if you could, don't worry. He said, we'll find some, we'll find a way of paying for them. Kevin, if you speak to Harry, cause Harry was a Portsmouth. He's fit. If you can get some good loan players in so he was encouraged me, but I, you know, I was not blaming anybody else. I was, I was keen to try and make some changes and galvanize in my mind, galvanize the place a little bit. So, but I, Took it. I went too far and brought too many in, and I recognise that now. But I think, as a, going back to Eddie, I think not having that to worry about at all. And I think what also what it did is it it helped him create a much stronger mentality, siege mentality, if you like, at Bournemouth, where you know we are what we are. We can't strengthen. We're gonna be, we're gonna get where we are with what we've got. And I think that helped him to focus on directly what was in front of him rather than have to worry about getting players from wherever or letting players go. I think that probably helped him certainly initially. Yeah. We did, we probably need to talk about Darren Anderton, don't we? Because he was a he was a, a player at that player at that time who I remember when he joined, I thought, oh, here we go, another one that's coming down to um sort of like toss it off for a little bit by the seaside. But he he works for, for a player of his talent. I remember just he was he worked so hard, and that's what impressed me about him was that he, he didn't have to, but he was often the, the hardest working player on the pitch when he had the least to prove. Did you was he a joint yeah. manager? Or? He was a fantastic guy. Would not um, not a minute. You didn't know he was there. Not a minute's problem. Not a mm. not a scrap of problem. Come in every day. Never really never really asked for any time off. You, you know. Such a good player, you know. Yes. He was he was such a good player, and you you know I I mean he packed it in. I think because he because he wanted to pack it in, and he didn't really like maybe he didn't like uh, Bournemouth. Then he could have played. He could have played for as long as he wanted. You know he was a, he was fit. He didn't carry any weight. He wasn't sort of blessed with any great pace at that stage. So it weren't like he was going to lose his pace. He could have carried on for as long as he wanted. And he was, you know, to find a role in him, a free role in behind a striker or something. He was such an intelligent player, and he was, he was a, a real joy to to deal with. Not a minute's trouble. Not a minute's trouble. I was, I always think that. Obviously, when Jimmy Quinn and him didn't see eye to eye, and we could all see that. And then he he ended up with the ignominy of being dropped and watching players. Uh, one yeah. eight as good as him playing in front of him, and I always remember he came on in his last game in the, about the ninety third minute, and he scored from twenty yards, and he hit the ball so hard. I always thought he was probably kicking Jimmy Quinn's ass. That <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, good. Yeah, Tony and he wouldn't. Great. He wouldn't. You know, he wouldn't know. Um, he wouldn't know how to kick up, uh, no. Darren. He, it's just not. In, it's just not in his nature. He wasn't. He's not. He, you know, it's not like that. He was. And I think probably that was how it was. If he didn't like what was happening at the football club and he thought, I don't want, you know, I don't want any more of this. He just quietly decided to hang, to hang up his boots. But it was a a credit, a real credit to himself, being an England player, superstar player, coming down to Bournemouth, not giving it the large at all coming down there. And all the players loved him. All the players loved him. It was, um, it was a real credit. One of the players who who went the other way, uh, Kevin, when you were with us, was was the big man, was Fletch. Uh, yeah. I didn't realise he. I'd only looked the other day at this in preparation for this interview, in that he hadn't actually scored. He scored like one goal in the in the last 
40 odd games or something you know why but obviously it was a big character at the club as well was that a hard decision to make it was it i suppose it was it was hard and that, but i i sort of felt felt that you know he was if when you when you got fletch you end up playing you end up playing a, a particular way because you got fletch mm. and he and I, in my mind it he sort of dictates how you go about things, and we'd had we'd had years and years of it. And I thought we, we you know, he weren't scoring bundles of goal. And I thought we, and you know, my, the people around me, my coaching staff, agreed. They, you know, agree. We did. It's time for change. It's time for change. But you know, there we are. It was eighteen months, two years later. He comes back and does great again for God knows how long. You know, but so. You know, I could have easily been, but it was those decisions, and that probably the change of um, Bournemouth, where you know so many people were synonymous with Bournemouth Football Club. Fletch was, and I, and I just thought we need maybe we need to meet a, a fresh, a new era, if you like, and to change. So, but I, maybe I, I think I was trying to change. I say too much too soon. But it was a de decision that I felt was right for us at the time, and it was just a decision I made on my own. I think other people um, around me um, concurred with that as well. Um, but you know, may maybe maybe I was wrong. You know, it looks like a little while later Eddie brought him back, and and he ended up. It was just a reunion, and he galvanised the club, and he gave everybody a lift. I think by coming back again, and I've got to say, great credit great credit to Steve. I mean, he just looked after himself amazingly well and, you know, carried on year after year. Another player, Kevin, was uh, Neil Moss. You dropped for some young unknown bloke called Asmir Begovic. <laughs> He's back. Who's Asmir Begovic? Yeah, you know, it, Asmir was, you know, I knew I knew Asmir from, from Portsmouth. I knew, or I thought, Asmir's going to be a top goalkeeper. I thought he's going to be a top goalkeeper, and he's big, and he's going to be great. And and it was one of the, one of the case we're talking about, you know, changing people. Did I need to do it? I didn't need to change Mossy. Mossy hadn't done anything wrong, really. I hadn't done anything wrong, but in my mind, I'd got the availability of getting another goalkeeper for next to no money for a period of time. Who, in my mind, at that stage in their careers, was going to be a much better goalkeeper than, with all due respect, Mossy. And I thought, why, why, why am I going to not improve my team if I can improve my team? Yeah. And so that's what that's what I did. Remember my first game where he played, he played really well in nil-nil draw up at Not Not Notts Forest, first game of the season. I thought hey, we, that was great. And then it was it was I'd never forget it. I th I'm sure it was Carlisle. I'm sure it was Carlisle at home. I'm pretty sure it's Carlisle at home. They got a free kick on the halfway line, clipped it into our six-yard box. And Asmir was so big, he didn't even have to jump to catch the ball. And anyway, he jumped and caught the ball and went back. And as he went back, his the, the ball hit the crossbar and bounced down. And one of their guys headed it in. We got beat 1-0. And from he had no chance after that. The supporters were on to him and he stayed for a period of time and we had to send him back. But it was it it was it was hard work. Mossy will tell you it was hard work. We're up. It was the first game of the season, uh, and I never spoke to Mossy until the day before. We was up at a hotel training, uh, and I said we was on the training pitch. Said Mossy, I need to speak. No, 
you're not going to do that, Gaffer, are you? You're, he knew what was coming. <laughs> and what do you say? I am, yeah, I am. But he, Mossy was brilliant. Mossy was brilliant. That's good. Well, Asmir's back now and doing this stuff, so uh, no no harm done. The, I mean, obviously, the, the big intriguing link really comes with what you saw in Eddie Howe, because Eddie Howe says he, he owes you everything. Um, uh, some of the players around at the time said he was the least likely manager um, when they were playing with him. They would never have put him down to be a manager. Clearly, you saw something. What was, what was it that you saw? Because whatever you saw, we owe so much to now. Um, what I saw, what I saw in Ed, Eddie is really, Eddie is really thoughtful. You know, Eddie, Ed, Ed, very, very, a deep thinker about the game. You could tell, you can tell by watching Eddie play that Eddie knows the game. He was like a, he was like a, um, he was like a Bob, Bob, poor man's Bobby Moore. He read the game. He wasn't the biggest, but he read, he was, he was a really excellent footballer. And, you know, you, you could, you, under, you knew that he understood the game. I saw that and knew that. We'd had him at Portsmouth where he had a horrific injury and couldn't play the games he wanted to play. And so I knew, and I knew he was really struggling with his knee and it was so difficult for him because he did, you know, he, Eddie wouldn't be the type of guy just to turn up, take your money. He knew he wasn't able to do himself justice. And he, and he was talking about packing the game in because um, he didn't know how much longer he could, just carry on and, and and not be the player that he knew that he he ought to be, and I thought about it and I just thought, well, you know, he's a Bournemouth man. I did there was, you know, just at the time there was there was only me and um, oh, what's his name? Who's my my coach? His name escapes me. And there was just the two just the two of us at the club. I mentioned it to to the people at the football club, and they they were all for it. Um, and, and I must say, from you know my, my point of view, I thought Eddie was was ideal. He, I knew I knew that he was keen. He loved his football. I would have been really surprised when I asked him if he said no, he didn't want to do it. Mm. And you know, and I don't think he would have he would have done it for any other reason or took the job for any other reason. And I think he he really thought that was a path he wanted to go down. And I just had a feeling that he would take to it. And after a, a, a a short period of time, I watched him and with Rob Newman. I'm thinking him and Rob Newman would go out and do a little bit on their own, and he would take. And I could see straight away that he was a coach in no time at all. He'd give him two players to coach or four players to coach. He'd come up with an idea and take him on his own, and he'd come up with some great sessions. So uh, you know, I you know, a pretty good idea that that he knew what he was what he was about. You, you can't have thought in your wildest dreams, though, could you? What what he actually did, did then go on to do. No, I don't, of course, I, you know, what, I, what I'd gathered or what I thought was important is that that transition from being a player to being on the other side of the game is, um, is, is like you need, that, you need somebody to give you that opportunity. And then when you've got that opportunity, then it's down to you to grasp it and make the most of it. And so you, to make that transition from a player to a coach. And, that, and so, I'd, you know, I had no idea where... Where, where any of this would take him, I knew that he would be very thoughtful. I know, you know, I knew that player people would like him. I, you know, I, I, whether he needed to come out of himself a little bit more outgoing, but of course he has done. Um, but I felt, you know, I've given him the opportunity that, that he has. But in fairness to him, after that, he's grasped it with both hands. Do you think he would have done better, Kevin, if he'd had an opportunity to manage a transport cafe for a little bit first? Do you think that would have? 
I think I think it would have I think it would have helped him no end. Uh, yeah. if, if had two years getting up and down the road at two o'clock in the morning. My God, I, I, I've got to say I don't. You know, if people in the footballing world, I don't think it'd do any of them any harm to have had a couple of years of that. No, it wouldn't. Yeah, very true, mate. You know, do you know, Kevin? The, the more I think about what you've done for the club and what 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 still you know your legacy. I think you deserve a lot more credit because you actually introduced Jeff Mostyn to the club as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. It was um, <laughs> Jeff and I go back a long time. Jeff, I know from my days up in Manchester and everywhere, everywhere. He, his wife and my wife are really close friends. And he used to come to all of the games. When I was playing, he'd come to watch me play. And then I kept being coached and went to Portsmouth. And he'd, he would come to all the games and watch us and loved it. And uh, we had a great, he loved, absolutely loved his football. So, I think it was the very first game of, um, when I'm at Bournemouth. I said to Jeff, do you want to come along? And he was, was in the boardroom in them days. And, uh, and he was sat next to Abdul. And I think by the time I took him home after the game, I think Abdul had relieved him of 20 grand. By the, <laughs> by the end of the first game. I think he relieved him of 20 grand. And um, I think Jeff realised, because he, he thought, I'm going to go back next week now after this. I'm going to have to get me money's worth. So he went back the next week. And I think he very quickly realised that the only way he was ever going to get his 20 grand back was to give him another 20 grand. So, and anyway, before you knew where he was, he was in for half a million pounds. Bloody hell. But what an investment. I mean, he's got his returns now, though. I mean, thankfully. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was, it was scary for Jeff. I mean, I, I know, because I do know, it was like the period where he was in charge when the club was in administration was such an uncomfortable, you know, because he was getting some flack himself, um, which he didn't deserve. Um, so he was take he was taking some um, some criticism, which was unfair. And you know that he hadn't he hadn't been in that world before, you know, doing what he had done previously, and you know, had not been subjected to criticism from supporters and in the press and this that and the others. It was very different for him and he'd think oh, I bet he could just get me out I'm sure at times he thought just get me out of this but he couldn't get out he was so far really couldn't get out but thankfully for him um, when the new owners came along and he's got a great role at the club and done a great job for the club um, and um, and I couldn't be more pleased for him we're all very grateful we're all very grateful and <laughs> uh, just uh, just talking about that time when when sport six and because Abdul dropped out of the picture sport six turn up on the scene you know a couple of charlatans from up north and you 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 know you must have you must have thought where where is all this going didn't you at that time yeah well there was all sorts of you know from the moment from the moment that, that it was muted that they were coming to the club there was all sorts of speculation about you know, my time had come and managers coming in and this. And so you, you know, that quite often there's no smoke without fire. And so I, I, I definitely, I definitely thought that we, we, you know, you need to keep winning or you need to win in order to um, keep people at bay there. And I, and it, and it was difficult. I found it difficult at the end. We were, you know, we were struggling. Um, and I think new people coming in quite rightly decide that they want to bring their own people in, which, you know, again, uh, as much as it might not have suited me, completely part and parcel of the game, uh, and and I understand. Um, so, 
I, you know, they'd had, a, had enough of me soon after the start of the following season and brought Jimmy in. And Jimmy didn't do uh, so well, Kevin. Um, did that bring a, a wry smile to your face? I know you're not a person to ill wish on anyone, but I mean, it was pretty horrendous. <laughs> no, um, it, 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 no, it, it didn't. I don't, you know, I wanted to see Bournemouth do well. It, it, the, 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 the irony of it is, is that Savvy, the owner, he, he rang me at Christmas time. It was around about Christmas, Christmas time, and and he said things ain't working out here. I thought, what? What are you ringing me? Anyway, he said things are not working out here very good. Um, he said we might be needing the managers very soon. What um, What do you think? You know the club very well. And it was at that point I said to him I would give the job to Eddie. Eddie had left obviously with me, but then gone back a short time after to work with the kids. Um, and he said to me, "What What do you think? With no money or anything?" I said, "Well, I'd work with. I'd just give Eddie Howe the job. You know, he would. He wouldn't be about the money for Eddie." He's, Bournemouth through and through, he would work. No one would work harder. Everybody at the football clubs loves him. I think the players would respond to him, and um, and and that was his first opportunity in in management as such, and and, and obviously never looked back. Brilliant. Wow. And then for yourself, Kevin. I mean, obviously we know uh, what happened um, after that. You also you had a spell in Hong Kong, which I didn't realise as well. That. That must have been mad because I, I know. I mean, Tony Pulis played out there, didn't he, in Happy Valley, and and he's he's yeah. spoken about about the uh, what it's like with you know the Chinese and the gambling and stuff like that. What what was it like? We'd um, I'd I'd met the, the the guy out there. I'd met um, actually when we was on a preseason tour when we was at Tottenham. We toured China and Hong Kong and spent some time out there. And I got to meet the owner of a football club out there. And then I, it was after I'd left Queens Park Rangers, he um, he contacted me and said, "Would I want to?" Could I do a presentation for some of their coaches out there, which is, I did. Um, and then when I, while I was there, he said, do you fancy taking my team? Because he had a team in what is their Premier League. And he said, do you mind, would you go home and come back again and take my team to the end of the season? Which I said, yeah, I would. And, um, and, I, and I really loved it. It's a really, you know, I passed through there a couple of times, but didn't know. But it was just a really vibrant, really safe uh, really vibrant, really safe, very clean place. And they were, you know, not, you can't confuse in any way Hong Kong with China. You know, China, uh, Hong Kong is completely different. And the football is completely different. It's not at the same level at, at, at all with like China. But it was, it was, it was super. You know, we had Brazilian players and Yugoslav players and uh, we had a successful season. And I, you know, I was taking the team and I, I actually went back out. Um, I had another spell in back in England, and then after that, that, he asked me if I'd go and take the team again, which I did, and I really loved my time there. It was wonderful. How does it feel having managed so many clubs in the in the country? Do you, do you still have the same enthusiasm you had when you started off coaching? Yeah, I'm like you know, I haven't. Um, I've been involved. I haven't managed so many clubs, but I've been involved with lots of clubs. I'd be right to say I've been involved in lots of clubs, and it and um, and I'm still um, completely motivated by football. I don't miss a game. Um, you know, watch it, watch everything on the telly. Get involved in lots of the webinars that we have forwarded to us from the League Managers Association. Take a great deal of interest in the new trends that are going on in football and the new ways that people are playing the game. Um, so you know, I'm. You know, I don't feel. It, you know, I don't feel in any way like I'm. You know, other people may think. You know, 
we've had too much of him. But I, I you know, I still feel, uh, you know, young and enthusiastic and and keen to carry on if I get given an opportunity. When you were, I think it's really interesting. I was looking back at um, some of the players. You say you, know, you haven't managed the clubs, but you certainly coached and been involved with them. Yeah, there's been some phenomenally tremendous players that you've that you've worked with over the years. I was just looking back through some of the squads, and you know, you've got people like Luka Modric, and yeah, you know, just players that are not not just excellent players. I mean, they're just beyond what you know, beyond world class. A couple of questions for you, really. Number one, what's what's it like when you have to coach a player that great? Because you must just think you must really question how you approach it. And 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 number two, who who, who would you say is the most talented couple of players you've worked with? I would say, um, in in terms of talent, um, in terms of talent, I've not I've not worked with a more talented player than Adele Tarat, who was at. Oh, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, at, was at Tottenham with us and then went on to yeah. Queen's Park Ranger. I wouldn't have, I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to work with anybody who's got more ability than Adele. Mm. Yeah, the problem, for, in my opinion, for Adele is that I just don't think he made the best use of his ability. No. No. But he, he, he didn't, he, he hasn't become what I believe he ought to be, given that he was just the most amazing, ta- he was amazing uh, footballer, what he could do with the ball. So he, he would be one, but it, uh, Sadly, I don't believe that he's fulfilled his potential. Um, but in terms of, you know, Luka Modric was... And, and I think that the thing about people like Luka Modric and, Gar- and Gareth Bale is that they are, they, they are such nice people. They're no, there's no uh, arrogance or uh, about them at all. They're very humble. It's su- such, honestly, such lovely guys. They, they weren't... You know, I, d- listen, I, I'm would go out there and put on sessions for these guys and what have you and talk to them. And they would talk to you back in a really respectful way. And that was fine. I, you know, I, d- I weren't about to be telling uh, Gareth Bale out to zoom down the wing and do this. <laughs> that, you know what I mean? I, um, no more than I'd tell Luka Modric out to drop a shoulder and not, you know, but uh, I, I, I have to put on sessions every day. They, they know that. And they are great because they just got they just got on with it every single day. Never, never a moan about it at all. They were, and I think partly the, maybe the best pros, the best players ended up being like the best pros and um, the, the easiest to handle. So they they were a real as you know so many of them were so many of the guys at Tottenham in particular because that was probably the best level that we worked at. Um, it it, well, it wasn't really hard work at all. It was a pleasure working with them. Is there any player that you felt you you've really developed and helped, and that you're really proud of in their career or in your career, rather? Yeah, I, I would think that in not in particular, but I, one or two younger player, one or two younger players that I helped. You know, get took little Max Gradle along when I was at Bournemouth. Hmm. Took him. I've, I, I've got to be fair to. Um, both to Rob Newman and, and Eddie, um, they'd gone to see Leicester play in a pre-season friendly and watched him play. Um, and we was looking for somebody to play out wide. And um, and I hadn't seen him. They went, I was taking a game or something somewhere. They both went and watched him. And they both come back and said, Gaffey got taken. We'd only taken him on loan, but he got to take him, end up taking him for, I think, a year or something in the end. But yeah. he's got to take him. He was such a bright character, such a such a smiley face boy and uh, he ended up becoming like a almost like a son you lo- i loved him he had a 
tragic time when he was there. He disappeared for five or six weeks when his I think it was his mother or yeah. died or I think. And it was he came back all of a sudden. He come back one evening and we were I think we were playing Barrow in the cup. He come back one day. And he turned up at five o'clock on the door set. He hadn't trained for five weeks. Mm. Anyway, he played. I said, I'm going to play him. He was having a bad, difficult time. I took on to play him. I played him. He played 120 minutes and took a penalty. And it was just, and he was great. And I, lo I loved working with people like him. There was no side to him. Uh, younger players. And one or two uh, passed through um, my hands over the course of a period of time, and he'd take Brett Pittman was a is a you know Eddie worked wonders with Brett Pittman. I found Eddie uh, Brett a joy to work with, really good, and and I watch him closely. He's at Swindon now, I watch him closely and stay in touch with him. To be fair, yeah. Um, so it's taking a lot, you know, a lot of joy out of, of watching these guys do as well as well as they have done. It's probably the most natural finisher we've ever had. I would say we've had better players, um, but we've never had anyone that you whenever he used to get put clean through i used to stand up straight away because i knew where it was going and uh he was uh you know if he'd been too if he'd been a couple of yards quicker i think he'd have had a great you know top level career wouldn't he super yeah he was uh, he was um he, he he was and he was a real natural finisher and and mm. made made the most of what he's got and i and i think i think eddie will will say that he takes an awful lot of satisfaction in you know in helping Brett become the player that he that he ultimately become, and he was he was he was he was excellent. Um, we had when I you know we I think for a, a few months we had David McGoldrick down at Bournemouth yep. when I was when I was down there, and he was another you know look, look how well he's done for himself, and we were lucky enough to have him um, for a period of time. And you could you could you could tell well I, you know I certainly think I could then he, that he definitely had something David, and he's done on that gone on to be a you know, form a great career for himself. Yeah. Somebody uh, wrote into us and said one of the lone players that we had was Frank Songo, ex-Barcelona. Frank Songo, he yeah, he, I think he, he might, Frank might, have been, might have been the first lone player I took uh, from Portsmouth not longer after after I'd been there. Um, I probably prefer that you didn't mention that, to be honest. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, what are your what are your plans now? I mean, do you stay in touch with Bournemouth? Are you still involved with people at the club? Obviously, Jeff Mostyn must still be a friend. But what about other yeah. people down there? Do you know JT very well? Do you give him advice? No, no I wouldn't be giving JT. I know JT, um, but I, you know, I wouldn't be. Don't speak to you know. He's got enough on his plate. Um, I used to go down there a couple of times when Eddie was in charge um, and watch them. You know, just take interest in that, in what's happening, and Eddie was always very welcoming. I'd go down there, and then obviously I'd see Jeff when I was there, and I know the girls and the people, all the people in the office and what have you still. But I, you know, I don't, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to go down and watch a game. I don't mean I'd like to go down there on Saturday, but you, can, I can't, you know, so you can't, and I wouldn't want to, you know, I'd be asking, to, can you go in there? But I would love to go and watch a game. I, I went down to watch a number of games before lockdown, and um, I'd like. I'd like to or look forward to the time when I can go back and watch again, but obviously it's very difficult at the moment. Mm. Well, we, we wish you all the best, Kevin. It's been fantastic yeah. talking with you tonight. Brilliant. Thanks so much. You know, it's um, like I say, I think I think the number of things that, that you you helped the club achieve what it achieved. And I think it's it's really underrated the contribution you've made, you know. So thanks from all the fans. I think I think you've done a terrific job. 
Yeah. My my, yeah. my very great pleasure. It's it's uh, you have to pinch yourself when you think of um, or when I think myself of the club that that it was when um, you know when I was a real young boy just come down here with my father to how it's evolved for, to the great years that they had under Harry, which were great years, fantastic years, and then the really difficult times. And then you look at where they you know where they currently are and where they've been the last five years as a as a Premier League club holding their own. It's just, I mean, you would have, you, you know, you couldn't have, you couldn't have made it up, could you? You couldn't no. make it up. And, and how do you think we're doing in the Championship? And how do you think we will do this season? I think you'll go up. I think you've got. I think. I think you've, you've got good. Yeah, I think you've got good player. You've got good players. You've got match wingers, match winners. You've got good. You've got good players. I, you know, I know. The season is still young, and and lots of things can happen. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I do. I, I believe Bournemouth will get promotion. They go straight back up again. I think they're they're, they're a good team. You know, they, they've got some David Brooks. They've got some fantastic players there. Yeah, great. On that note, Kevin, I'm going to say goodbye because that's a really nice, positive way to end it. Thank you, thank you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, Kevin. Bye-bye. Neil, thank you. Thanks for coming on. No, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, Jeff. And Tony, love those questions. Keep them coming. (laughs) (laughs) We loved it. Thank you. Great. So brilliant to chat to Kevin Bond there. I think that certainly settled a few scores and the reaction, at least on our YouTube channel and on Facebook, was very positive. So superb to have him on. Well, that's it for another episode of the lockdown interviews we appreciate your ears for the last hour and a bit there are more interviews on the way not least matt tubbs and josh mccoyd two strikers for asc bournemouth that had so much potential but in a red and black shirt did they quite make it well we'll speak to them to get their own opinion plus there are more interviews on the way so if you haven't subscribed then please do so on your podcast app and these are all watchable on youtube that's youtube.com forward slash afcb podcast remember if you'd like to support us with a coffee we would certainly appreciate it given the fees we have to pay for our hosting with our streaming software and also the podcast platform if you want to do so via a coffee it's afcbpodcast.com slash coffee we really do appreciate any support that we can get anyway again happy christmas and we'll see you next time on the lockdown interviews. Richie. Maybe on Walker. Pew. Pew! That'll do it! That will do it! Pew for Bournemouth! The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Sports Social Podcast Network.